Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it is Monday, October 23rd. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I often make references to things I learned while practicing family law, fundamentally divorce law. And one of the things I learned, which I don't think I've ever spoken about, is the power of and the damage done by denial by knowing something or having a strong feeling about something, and because it is something you don't want to know or don't want to explore, you basically move into denial. You turn away from it in the hopes that you're wrong or it will go away. And it never works because, as I saw in every marriage where it occurred, denial only postpones the inevitable. Because truth, as I like to say, and it's not unique to me, will always out. The truth will always out. It's just a matter of time. And I was thinking about denial in terms of both what happened in Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 40s, but also what is happening now in the Middle East and what is happening now in our country, in the United States. So let me first address Germany. You know, as long as I can remember, one of the most important questions people ask about the Nazi attempt to annihilate the Jewish people, the final solution, as they called it, was how did Germans not see it? How did they not see it? And when they saw it, how did they not do something about it? Well, from the Jewish perspective, I guess I would say that Jews were contributing members of German society. They were professionals, they were lawyers, they were doctors, they were bankers, they were business people. They were mainstream contributors, patriotic Germans. It was beyond their comprehension that their government could do this to them. In terms of non-Jews in Germany, I guess I would say that they were in denial until the point where the Nazis had so much power no longer being in denial, could get you killed. So when they finally understood the magnitude of what was happening, they were too frightened or too much in survival mode to do anything about it. And yes, of course, there were those who relished the Nazi message and went along from the beginning because they were aligned with it. I want to say that as a Jew here in the United States, and I know this to be true of many Jews that I know throughout my entire lifetime have known. We always believed it couldn't happen here, and yet we always kept the little voice in the back of our head that said it could happen anywhere, right? So that's why the motto, forgive but never forget, is the motto that Jews apply to the Holocaust, forgive but never forget. That overriding belief that it could never happen here in the United States has been completely obliterated by the response, the public response, by some elected representatives, 
by college campus turnouts across this country, by statements that have been made by public figures, by people in Hollywood, by people in Australia, marching in Australia to gas the Jews, talking about there's only one solution at rallies here in the United States. The only one solution is the final solution. That's what they're talking about. And so I believe that in a way, Jewish Americans have been in denial, a denial we no longer are in. We now know it could happen here, and it is incumbent upon not only Jews who perceive it, but non-Jews alike, be they Christian or God-willing Muslims, who understand the precipice at which we stand and what we see when we gaze into that abyss. But there's another denial happening here in the United States, and that's denial of what's occurring at and as a result of our southern border. It is denial to think that of the 3.2 million illegal aliens that have come across our southern border in the last 12 months, in the fiscal year, which was October to October, 22 to 23, and the hundred and some, or I think it's a hundred and some suspicious people who have been arrested, detained, because they either relate to an already listed terror watch list, or because what we know about them poses a significant risk to the security of the United States, that double that or triple that amount haven't gotten through. So this open border issue is way beyond Democrats versus Republicans. It's way beyond this concept that the Democrats have an open border because they know that all of these illegals will vote Democrat when they can mail in their ballot, thereby assure a permanent one-party system where it's Democratic rule. It's way beyond that. We are talking about the safety of every American citizen because the people coming across our southern border, completely open border, welcomed in, given bus tickets, given plane rides, given money, given cell phones, given court dates that are years out and will never occur. Many of them are the same people that just butchered innocent people on October 7th in Israel. So we are in denial as a nation that we would, for political reasons, support the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party is who wants the open border. It's certainly who is promoting it and more so who is not stopping it from continuing. It is this president who is allowing this to happen, be it him or be it his handlers, because I don't know what he's capable of at this point. But whether it's him or it's his handlers, it's the Democrat Party that is the head of this country right now, and they are allowing this to happen. And all of us who make believe that we are good Democrats, and I'm not one of them, but I say it because we are a nation of one people— It isn't good enough to say, well, we're good Democrats, and so we don't like the Republicans, and so we're going to support the president and all of his policies, when one of his policies is suicidal for you, for me, and for the nation. You know, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, it might have even been this morning, but it was uh, probably this morning Israel time, which was our time last night, because they're ahead of us about eight hours. The IDF called together journalists and did a private screening for them of the actual footage that the IDF confiscated from Hamas, from those they captured, in those kibbutzim where the slaughters took place. 
And my read from some of the journalists who were present is that they begged the IDF to stop the film. Some of them were crying. Some of them were physically sick. They couldn't bear watching the torture that took place in those kibbutzim. Just one example, as horrific as it may be, a father was killed, his eyes were torn out of his head, then his wife's belly was slit open, her baby was taken out, her breasts were cut off, and they cut off the legs of the, of the uh, unborn child. I share this because it isn't just a matter of illegals voting Democrat. These are the kinds of people that are now infiltrated into our country. They're across the country. They're probably in every state. And I'm not saying every single one of them is as, um, what is the word? I still don't have language for Hamas and what they did. I, I use barbarian. I use savage. But I don't even know if those are accurate or quite identifiable for the lack of humanity that exists in those people who committed those crimes. But nonetheless, it is our problem because we are in denial, even if every single one of those illegals doesn't have or those illegal terrorist watch lists that got away, members of the watch list that got away or names on the watch list that got away, some of them are, some of them are Hamas, some of them are Muslim Brotherhood, some of them are Al-Qaeda, some of them are whatever's left of ISIS, some of them are. And they will do to Americans the same thing they did to Israelis, because this isn't about territory. This is a jihad. This is a spiritual war. And the only victory for radical Islam is the annihilation of everyone and everything that isn't Islam. Everyone and everything that doesn't bow to Muhammad and does not live by the strict letter of the Quran. That's what this is about. And we're in denial if we think it's anything else. I'd like to make another point. Many people say that the Palestinian people are not Hamas. They don't support Hamas, whatever. I find that hard to believe. They elected Hamas in 2006 to lead them. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that there are Arab Christians, even Arab Muslims in Gaza, who think that what Hamas has done and continues to do is horrific. And let me give them a further benefit of the doubt that they haven't spoken up before, since, or during. They haven't spoken up because they themselves are afraid of Hamas. Let's give them that, okay? So let's hold most of the Palestinian population harmless for what just happened. There's this crazy group called Hamas that is in control of Gaza. They did the atrocities. They are to blame. Okay, Let's think this through one more step I haven't heard anywhere I've listened to. Hamas was two years in the planning for what they did on October 7th. Two years in the planning. It was planned with precision along with the assistance of Iran and the um, Iranian Red Guard. Let me ask this question. If you plan for two years to pull off something so horrific, so atrocious, so precisely done, so successfully done, if success can be used in this context, from their perspective, it was a success. Do you not think they knew what Israel's reaction would be? And when they pulled the hostages, 222 of them, back into Gaza, and when Hamas then went back into the general population in Gaza, 
Do you not think that Hamas knew what Israel would do after having its people tortured and slaughtered? Women and children, elderly Holocaust survivors, entire families, they knew that Israel would mount a major military offensive and incursion into Gaza. What would that mean? That would mean that Israelis would be killing collateral people as a result of trying to get and wipe out Hamas. Hamas doesn't care about the Palestinian people. Hamas was, is, and always will be willing to sacrifice the Palestinian people for the greater cause of jihad. Because, of course, in the Muslim religion, to become a martyr, to die for Allah, is the utmost way to leave the planet. And because their charter, Hamas's charter, has their sole mission as the annihilation of the Israeli people and all Jews everywhere. And because the Quran itself teaches that when, when they come for the Jews, even the trees and the rocks will tell them where the Jews are hiding, then Hamas knew what Israel would do. So Hamas went into this knowing two things. One, Israel would respond with awesome force that that would guarantee the death of thousands of, let's call them, innocent Palestinians based on the premise of my hypothetical here. It's not a hypothetical on my analysis here. And thirdly, and most importantly, Hamas knew that that killing of thousands by the Israelis in response to what happened would play across the world as Israel the aggressor, Israel the occupier, Israel head of the apartheid state, Israel about to commit genocide, and Israel as the bad guy. So we're all being played. We're all being played. And we're being played by Hamas, certainly by all of the other Islamist extremist organizations that are all connected through Iran. And maybe we're even being played by the larger Arab world. I know we're being played by Qatar, by Qatar, however you want to pronounce it. They are both a sponsor of terrorism. They house the leadership of Hamas in villas in Qatar. And they are acting as negotiators to help us get out the hostages. Hello? We are in denial. We are in denial, and our denial will do for us what it did for every couple I ever helped go through divorce. It will fester and fester until it breaks through the surface, and when it does, all hell breaks loose. Those people hire counsel. That's when the divorce begins, when the denial can no longer be shoved down. Only in our instance, when it breaks through, it will be a world war. Or worse, it will be the oppression, once again, around the world of Jews, of us being the blame for all that has happened, when in fact, I repeat, we are being played. I guess I want to close this with a conversation I had last night with a friend of mine, a spiritual friend of mine. We were talking about, actually the origin of the universe, the origin of humanity. We were kind of in the deep end of uh, philosophy, spirituality, and religion. And we came to a moment when I had a realization I never thought about before. You know, Christians and, and Catholics, I know, call this world the world of sin that we live in. I don't believe in that concept, actually, not certainly not the way it's framed in Catholicism or Christianity. 
But I had a thought last night based on some of what Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism teaches, and it's this. Kabbalah teaches that in order for creator God to create outside of itself, it had to withdraw or restrict Kabbalah teaches some of its own power, some of its own light, because in the true presence of all that is, in the true presence of God, nothing else can exist. It's, it, it is totality. It is so powerful, nothing else can survive truly in its presence. It's, it's sort of integrated and consumed in a good way. So it's called Simtsun, it's restriction. So God pulls back some of its light, its power, so that something can exist outside of itself. And I thought about that in this conversation last night. And I said, you know, if there's any truth to that, if there's any merit to that, then when that restriction occurred, when that light was dimmed or taken back, restricted so that something else could exist in its vicinity, then when the light was withdrawn, then what must have existed is darkness. So I thought, well, then we live in the darkness. Then everything created outside of God, even though God is connected to it and still sustains it to some degree, there is an element of diminished light, right? And maybe it's darkness, total darkness, but maybe it's just diminished light sufficiently to where getting back to God takes an actual effort requires a return of sorts. And there is where we are given free will to do that very thing, to become like the light so that we can reconnect with it, so that we can come out of the darkness. And if I haven't fully processed this entire theory that I had, at least I'm trying to give you the very basics of it. So I think then our role becomes one of being the light in the darkness. So what does it mean to be the light in the darkness? Well, if God, if, if the light in its all its power is love and compassion and empathy and, and joy and all of those things that affirm the highest and best use of energy or the highest and best state of existence, then what happened on October 7th was the total absence of light. Because the brutality and the savagery and the glee that Hamas took in mutilating children and women and the unborn and spilling as much blood as they could in the most violent and horrific and torturous way that they could is the complete absence of all things of the light. It is the complete, it was the complete absence of empathy, of compassion, of conscience, of rationality, of reason. It was the absence of all of it. It was the absence of all of humanity. But more importantly, it was the absence of anything resembling God. And so when they call this a holy war, and they call it jihad, and they think that the highest possible sacrifice you can make to their God, to Allah, is to behave like a savage, then I question either their God or their interpretation of what their God wants them to do. As for you and as for me, our job is to be the light. Our job is to be all of those things that Hamas and other radical extremists lack. To be people of conscience, to have compassion, to have empathy, to use reason, 
to use rational thought and to continue to value life because surely what they value is mutilation and savagery and death. And that's not a recipe for the survival of planet or species or anything else. It is ultimately the annihilation of everything that is life-affirming. So let us no longer be in denial, you and me. Let us not be in denial that it can happen here, whether it's against the Jews or it's against all Americans, because terrorists have come across our border and continue to do so because this administration has violated its oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend us. Let us not be in denial about who Hamas is. Let us not be righteously indignant and try to tell Israel what it should or should not do to make certain that such a horrific occurrence never happens to it again. Let's face facts. Let's face the truth. Let's deal with what's in front of us because living in denial is self-destructive. And I don't believe in a self-destructive God. I believe in a God of love. I believe in a God of oneness. I believe in a God of compassion. And I believe most people believe in the same thing, regardless of what name they give it. The name is not nearly as important as what you do in the name of your God. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again, I guess, Sunday. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.